Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. And C.S. Lewis's uh, masterpiece, uh, children's series in the opening book, the Chronicles uh, of the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, there's an interaction between Mr. Beaver and the Pevensey children, and Mr. Beaver is trying to explain the characteristics of this Aslan character, and this is how the conversation goes. Mr. Beaver says, "Well, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion." And Susan Pevensey says, oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's wild, you know, not like a tame lion. As I read this week's text in Genesis, I thought to myself, God is not a tame God. Our God is not a tame God. He is a wild God. Uh, It led the Celtic, the Irish Celtic Christians to call the Holy Spirit the wild goose. (laughs) You don't know where he's moving, how he's moving, and it's better not to pretend that we do. So in the pages of Genesis, As we look at chapter 12, we find a God who is in search, who's in pursuit of his people. Uh, We, his people are scattered perennially. We've uh, we've taken our own ways above God's ways and our constant choice to go our own way has led us to the Tower of Babel and now we've been scattered all across the, the world. And so because God by his nature is not tame, it follows that God's plan to rescue God's beloved people would many times involve a plan that is not tame. And so we read, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God is an adventurous God and he chooses Abram here who has a little experience with adventure having gone with his family when his father was a little older and just began having children and they moved uh, from one place to another, from Ur to Haran. And so Moses has a little backpacking or camping experience, if you will. I'm sorry, Moses, Abram has some uh, camping experience. And so he stands out maybe as a good candidate for this particular journey. And it's beautiful in the pages of Genesis how we constantly see the gospel, the good news given to us, God's people, no matter where we've wandered or how far we've wandered away from God, there's always a plan. There's always a rescue mission in the works. And God's election, God's choice of people like Abram, uh, is, it's not meant to make the playing field smaller. It's God's choice, God's election is not something that uh, is exclusive but rather it's something that is precise and personal. And I'll never understand why God saw fit and sees fit today to bless and encourage and reach and save people through other people, but that's how God chose to do it. So when he wanted to bless the world, when he wanted the entire world to know that there was a God in heaven that loved them, he chose a person. 
He chose a family to be in charge of that mission. So the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. Go from your country, from your land. Go from the beloved county that you grew up in. Go from your kindred people, right? This, in, this is kind of your, your larger group of friends and family. This is your Sunday school class and your Saturday night poker group, and it's the whole deal. It's like you got to leave everybody, and you've got to leave your father's house, the Beit Av. This is where you've known everything to be stable and secure, and this is the place where you know the legacy of your father would be passed on to you, and then you will pass on to your children. It's in these boundaries, in this land, in those fields, and God says, go, Abram, and leave all of that to a land that I will show you. Uh, you don't even know what it is yet, but this is where you're headed. So the plan involves an unknown place and this promise to make Abram's name great. And if you'll remember, the great sin of the Tower of Babel era was that they were seeking to make a name for themselves. It's the human story over and over again. We're constantly wanting to make a name for ourselves. And in doing that, of course, the people were scattered. And so God finds them and he says, now, Abram, we're going to go about this a little differently. I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to bless you so that the peoples of the world, all the nations of the world, may be blessed through you. It's a tall order, and it's a lifelong commitment. And Abram is along in years. His father was a little older when he set out on his journey, and now Abram is a little older when he sets out on his journey. And we get this sort of unadorned response in Genesis 12, verse 4, to this great call, you know, and I see myself hearing those words and I would want deliberation. I would want time to contemplate and talk to my close friends and counselors and figure out is this really the thing for us? And we don't get any of that in the Genesis story. We simply get these three words, so Abram went. He just went. He went as the Lord had told him and he took those that were in his care with him. I've always been puzzled by the call stories in Scripture. I've always been puzzled, especially by the disciples and their seemingly ready departure from their everyday jobs to follow Jesus. You know, we read the stories and Jesus walks by and they're in the midst of fishing and running the family business and Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they drop their nets and they leave. You know, Matthew's sitting there working his numbers and Jesus says, follow me, and he gets up and he leaves. And it always seemed like such a strange thing. Like, how could someone possibly do that? And I just realized in reading this story this week, these guys grew up with this story in their queue. You know, this was one of the great podcasts that they listened to all the time. It was right here, the Abram story. And so it wasn't crazy at all for them to, this idea that you might leave everything in order to follow some plan that God might have for the blessing of the world. And so Abram takes off and he goes to this new place and he goes south, he goes southwest and he finds his way down along the coast, along these major trade routes and he finds his way into Canaan and he's wandering through and he ends up at this place called Shechem and Shechem was a, a cultural site, a booming city, a place with lots of things going on. I imagine for us it would be something like a New York City or Chicago and everything's going on and there are all these famous worship sites there. Uh, places people would make pilgrimage and they would worship these other gods, of course, uh, places like Shechem. And so Abram 
and has come into this new place. And there's this great parenthetical comment uh, in the story of Genesis here. And it says, when Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So he arrived at the time when the Canaanites were in control. It's just this little comment, but it just reminds us that this was not a fully realized place, this place of blessing that Abram knew he was looking for. This is a place that's occupied. This is enemy territory. And Abram finds his way there, and the Canaanites are in the land. They're worshiping strange gods. They're doing strange things. And it certainly doesn't seem like a great place to take your family. So we know a little bit about what that is like in today's culture. We lament and we mourn the loss of some of the things that we thought we could count on in terms of cultural institutions that would be maybe shaped and formed in the Judeo-Christian worldview. And so we've been talking for several years. We've been encouraged by Christ to look at the world instead of something that's oh no too far gone, but rather as a new mission field, as a place where now we are going to have to kind of step up our game and we can't just take for granted that our kids will grow up and understand what we mean when we say the Trinity. They won't understand automatically what we mean when we talk about the stories of Abraham, the stories of Jesus, and we disciple them in the faith and we teach them to pray. We have a looming task ahead of us. It's a great task, but we live in enemy-occupied territory and there are so many options and so many strange gods all around us. I was on a college campus a couple of weeks back, and this is all over the world. And I mean, you've all been in cities and places like this. Not only does it not look like it used to, but there are offensive efforts by other world religions to claim as many people as they can find. This particular building that was a new building that was built of an entirely different religion and worldview than ours. And not only were they there with their beautiful building and their signs, but they had loudspeakers on the outside and it was just blaring teaching all across the campus for any wandering lost soul to wander in and say, yeah, I'd like a little hope. I'd like a little something to believe in. I'd like something to join that lets me know I'm a part of something. And, uh, and as Christians, we would just say, gosh, that's, that's what we're up against. And so rather than being discouraged Rather than being afraid when we find ourselves in a strange land like this, uh, we, we follow Abram. And Abram, in the midst of this, he pauses and he listens for the voice of God. And God speaks to Abram and he says, Abram, to, to your offspring, I will give this land, this land that doesn't look like it. This is the land that's gonna be yours. This is the place we're gonna build this thing. And so Abram built an altar to the Lord. He wasn't gonna go worship at one of those existing sites he built a site that was sort of unadulterated from all of that other stuff, and he worshiped God. And then he goes a little farther outside of town, and he makes his camp, and he builds another altar. And at this point in the story, we get this great description that Abraham built an altar, and he called upon the name of the Lord. He called upon the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord means turning to that name as the primary reference point in our lives. It's like setting our compass. That is the new true north. We're calling on the name of this Lord, not those lords, but this Lord, this God, this Yahweh. And so while the promise was a very inclusive promise for all people, the worship, the direction of our hearts 
was always to one God. So we have this direction that we're moving. Martin Luther, the great reformer in the Middle Ages, said that whatever your heart clings to and relies upon is properly your God. Whatever your heart clings to and relies upon is properly your God. And so for Abram, this was the God of Israel. This is our God. This is the one true God. And so Abram worships there. And then the story ends at this point where Abram journeys on. And Abram journeyed on. He continued his work. And I'd invite us this morning to continue in that motif, this journey motif as we work out our faith together, as we respond to God's call together, as we look at what it means for us at this point in time in our lives to go. And just like with the Great Commission where we were asked, we were commanded to go, therefore, into all the world, right, to all nations, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that Jesus has commanded. We have that work as Abram had his work, and we follow Christ. And, you know, we believe that God will fund these promises with his presence. And so while we're at work uh, looking for the places that we can live this life, that we can disciple our children, that we can reach out to those in the community that don't know that there's a God who loves them, that we can meet and strengthen our own hearts, we know that God is faithful to be with us as we call upon the name of the Lord together. The church as a whole lost a great witness this week uh, in the death of Billy Abraham. Billy Abraham was probably my, my favorite living uh, theologian, especially in the Methodist family. And he was so good and is so good. And I encourage you to, if you ever see anything you can read by Billy Abraham, he was always encouraging us to get back to the basics to stick with the simple stuff, to disciple your kids, teaching them basics. In your churches, you know, all of us have the call to go, and I admire the way that you all have gone, the way you continue to go. It doesn't always mean we pick up roots and leave our known world. Sometimes it means we take on that Sunday school class <laughs> or those preschool kids, and we, we sing in the choir. We do things that we never thought we would do because we have a sense of calling that we're participating in something greater that God is still about rescuing people, and for some strange reason, he has seen fit to include us in that mission. So may you hear the voice of God calling you to go this week. May you wrestle with that, and may we all have the grace together, like Abram did, to simply go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.